Hey folks, it's Nish here, just a solo episode today. Um, and today's all about AI. This is sort of coming off the heels of the episode from a couple of weeks ago that I did with Juliana Vale, where we talked about the AI creative operations wave. Uh, that's the first in the series on AI. I was going to do like a takeaways episode. Um, ended up having some follow-up conversations with uh, some of you that attended uh, that live recording or listened to it afterwards. And I've just been talking to lots of teams and organizations, marketing teams, creative teams, executive teams about AI. And what I've been finding is that there's lots of talking, not lots of doing out there, especially in the creative operations world. And I think there's a lot of like immediate value that this community, especially creative operations leaders, could be getting from what AI can do today. Uh, and these are just the early days. Um, so I'm sort of thinking of this episode as not prompting AI, but prompting the humans, prompting the creative operations leaders with some ideas. Um, I'm going to stay fairly surface level. Maybe some of these ideas will like resonate with you and you'll go, cool, I'm going to try and do that. Or maybe you'll go, interesting, I want to do that. Not exactly sure how. I'm going to drop Nish an email at nishacreativeops.fm and maybe ask them to walk me through it, which I'd be more than happy to do. I, I love riffing about this stuff um, and figuring out how it might apply to you. Or maybe one of these ideas will just sort of spark your own ideas as to, oh, okay, that's like sort of interesting not really something that is directly uh, relevant to me, but it makes me think of these one, two, three other ways in which maybe I'm going to go and explore and see if I can use one of these AI tools for that. Um, and I think that's a key thing. This is all about exploring and experimenting with AI. I think these are like new tools. Um, and the way I'm approaching AI is like when I was a kid, and playing with Play-Doh. I didn't know what I was going to create with it, but I would try something and maybe it would turn out to be interesting or maybe not. And then I could just smash it back down together and start all over again. And that's a beautiful thing about AI and these tools like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and so many others is that it's given us all these Play-Doh-like tools. And I think our jobs as like just as individuals, as leaders and organizations, is to instill that sense of play to encourage experimentation and exploration. And that really needs to start with you, with me, with us, is to go and play with these things. So I'm going to run through some ideas. Again, I'm going to keep it fairly surface level. If any of these are of interest to you and um, you found it valuable, please do let me know and maybe I'll do another episode like this uh, again at the surface level or if you think a deeper dive in terms of the how-tos would be more valuable, let me know. Or if you want to explore together one-on-one, um, hit me up. I'd love to riff with you on this. I love getting the like out of the blue emails and messages from a lot of you out there. And um, if you know, you know, some of you have had calls with me and uh, hopefully I think you've gotten value out of that. I've gotten a ton of value out of that in terms of learning about you, your organization, some of your challenges. And we've just sort of like done a real-time virtual, you know, whiteboarding riff session. So 
Again, I'd love to do that with you. Drop me a line, nish at creativeops.fm. So with that being said, uh, one thing I'll provide in terms of context is I've got a number of core organizing principles around how I'm thinking about and approaching AI. One of them is what I call my T3 AI model. T3 is sort of like a play on T2, Terminator 2. Um, I grew up in the 80s. Um, and everyone's talking about Terminator because of AI. Um, but T3 is like thunking, thinking, and transforming with AI. And thunking is a term that I am uh, co-opting from the former chief decision scientist at Google. Her name is um, Casey, brilliant individual. Uh, and thunking is really sort of this idea of like outsourcing your machine-like work, that boring work, that real work to AI. So you can free up your time to do more thinking work with AI and become the 10x version of whatever it is you do, whether you're a creative, a creative operations leader, or insert role here, become the 10x version by thinking with AI, uh, by being able to augment your current capabilities uh, to be able to move faster. And then transforming with AI is really how do I continue to partner with AI to move beyond that 10x version? And what are the things I can start to do tomorrow that I didn't even think were possible for me to do yesterday? I didn't even think of doing yesterday. Some of the ideas I'm going to walk through today really fit into either the thunking or thinking category. Transforming We'll get to that maybe at some point in the future. I think all of that is really crystal ball gazing at this point for, for all of us. So category one uh, of maybe some ideas to consider is uh, meeting notes. I know meeting notes like yawn boring. One of the things I do is that I use a tool called otter.ai. I invite it to every meeting I have, um, unless uh, somebody said they don't want it showing up to record the meeting. And it makes it really easy for me then to ask. Um, I take the transcripts and either write within otter.ai, which has uh, integrated some AI capabilities of its own, or I'll upload it to ChatGPT. I will then ask it to give me a recap, action items, summaries, other things like that, that um, some of us, a lot of us do after meetings and then send it out. Um, but now I can outsource that work to AI. That So this falls into that thunking bucket of I'm outsourcing it to AI. I don't have to go through the meeting notes. I don't even have to take notes during the meeting. I can focus on the meeting and the people in the meeting. I can look at body language and things like that. And I could get this beautiful recap and summary. I'll usually have to make a few edits on it, and then I can send it out. So if I'm already doing this, I'm saving myself time. If I'm not doing it, I can send it out, and people are delighted by this going, oh, that's awesome. You took notes, and then you send out an awesome summary with you know, the key things we talked about and the action items. Um, I'll then even use this to go um, when I'm developing the agenda for the next meeting. What are the things we need to discuss as like follow-ups from the last meeting we had or from the last six meetings? Um, and that sort of bleeds into the way in which I think about like this meeting notes category and like some of the thinking things that I do with it or you can do with it. Um 
I upload all these transcripts to ChatGPT, and now it's institutional memory. So for example, all the podcasts that I do, each one of them is recorded. Each one has a transcript. I upload them all. So I then like ask ChatGPT questions like, hey, can you like detect any common themes or patterns from these last five episodes? Um, or I'll just take two episode transcripts for things that might be like sort of topics that were discussed at or similar in nature. And I'll ask it for where do these two individuals sort of have like ideas that overlap or are very dissimilar? Because that might be, that might then spark an idea as to like questions I may want to explore with those guests when they come back on the podcast or for future episodes with, with other guests. The point here is that it can act as institutional memory. Human beings, we are all horrible at remembering things. We remember the things we want to remember. So imagine that you're a creative operations leader. You're having these kickoff meetings between creative and marketing and other stakeholders. Maybe that's for every project. Um, I know I was talking to somebody recently. They have these monthly get-togethers between the creative team and the marketing team where they discuss how things are going, maybe changes in the business, maybe some market research that the marketing team did. Well, you can now have ChatGPT in the room if you've recorded all your meetings to go, hey, here's some of the things we're talking about, some of the decisions we're making. Are any of these decisions in contradiction to decisions we've made over the last six months? Or maybe it's like, well, I'm recording this on February 15th. So we reviewed the annual market strategic marketing plan back in January, but we've already forgotten it because it's been six months and none of us have really good memories these days. You could say, here's the things we're discussing. Here's the decisions we're making. Does this align with or contradict the strategic marketing plan that is in place? Um, so that's really like valuable. It's like having this extra like, never forgetful memory in the room. Um, it could also do like that pattern recognition. I was talking about how you use it for the episode transcripts. You, If you're recording all the meetings, especially the kickoff meetings, you can start to ask it questions like, are you noticing certain like patterns in what the following individuals are asking for what they're saying, the feedback they're giving, like if you do like formal creative review meetings, record those as well, because you're going to start to see, you're going to be able to ask ChatGPT, what are the patterns that you're seeing? You're going to be able to like, you know, synchronize that or like confirm or update your understanding of patterns. And then imagine being able to give that to the creative director or the creative leads in terms of, oh, when this person from marketing shows up, here's typically the kind of feedback that they're giving always. Like, let's maybe take that into account when we're doing like initial concept development um, and getting ready to present the initial concepts or version ones so that we can sort of avoid um, that feedback, not avoid it, but circumvent it. Um, and that's sort of that's going to improve process. So these are just some like ways. And again, some of these may resonate with you, but hopefully it's at least sparking some ideas of like, with some very simple steps and changes in the way you work, you can start to 
get some real incredible value. Like I'm talking about like a like institutional memory, like literally at your fingertips. I'm talking about making sure that decisions we're making today align with decisions we've made previously. I'm talking about making sure the decisions we made today are aligning with our annual strategic plan. So think about some of those things. Second category, a picture says a thousand words. Um, I know a lot of you have been playing around with mid-journey, and that's amazing. I know that um, Michelle Vincent and her team at MoFilm uh, on episode two, she talked about using mid-journey as an ideation tool, as an inspiration launchpad for the creative team. And that's awesome. Uh, That is an amazing way to use it as like, just start playing with it um, and ideas will come to you, but just not for the creative team. I'm a huge advocate of maybe trying to like play around with and incorporate it in the creative brief process. I think very often non-creatives, and I put myself in that category and that term actually is sort of incorrect, but I use it because creative, when we ascribe the adjective creative to somebody, we assume they can use tools like Photoshop or draw really well with a pencil or paint something. We are all creative. Like to be human is to be creative. My problem is I don't know how to use Photoshop. I don't have the dexterity to translate the images in my head through my hands via a pencil. Um, And Sorry, uh, if there's a little bit of a pause there. Um, I got disconnected. Anyways, I don't have that manual dexterity, but I see these images in my head and I know the direction which I want to send the creative team for something I want to produce for like uh, a campaign or some other piece of like content uh, or creative output. And I guess I can use words to do that. And we're often asked to do that in a creative brief. But I think it would be better if we could just use a tool like MidJourney um, and basically attach an image to the creative brief. And I think it would be very valuable for creative ops leaders to like experiment with this to see, can they then cut out some of the fields in the creative brief? Can they accelerate the process? Do they make it more of a a fun and valuable and collaborative experience because now I as the business user, non-creative type or non-Photoshop user can more effectively communicate with the creative team who are also then in turn benefiting from, oh, okay, like we get sort of where Nish is going with this. Um, We're never going to use what he outputted in mid-journey, but we've now sort of got a better idea as to what he's seeing in his head. And does that help accelerate, you know, how quickly things move? Does that improve the final quality of the output because we're more aligned and in sync right from the start of the process? How does that maybe then inform and improve like the creative kickoff meetings for certain types of bigger scope projects and things like that? So, so think about that one. Um, I also think it's interesting for, um, you know, and all of these are in the thinking category, like, you know, for ideation or as part of the creative brief process, 
Another thinking one might be, let's say the CEO and the C-suite decided as part of the company's strategic plan, we're going to be moving into a new market later this year or next year and use a creative operations leader who has been pulling your team from being tactical in perception and in function to being strategic goes, cool, we're going to use MidJourney to learn about that market. Um, maybe we're a furniture company and you start to enter in prompts that are, you know, like um, you're rooted in North America. So you enter in prompts like furniture, North America, um, you know, advertisement, uh, digital advertisement, things like that. And then maybe the market you're moving into is um, South Korea. So you start to input like South Korea as part of the prompt and you start going down this rabbit hole with your prompts and your creative team, again, starts to get inspired and get some ideas as to, okay, how does the way we're doing creative for North American market, how might that need to like transition and translate over to the South Korean market? Um, And that might be an interesting way for like your North American creative team to uh, adapt to being um, to be providing value in this strategic go-to-market strategy that the C-suite has versus, no, we have to absolutely go and find a local agency. Again, I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if that's going to be relevant to you, but I think it's an interesting way of like exploring and seeing, you know, is that another way of getting value out of a tool like MidJourney? Um, Next bucket is as a thinking partner. And here I'm really talking to the creative ops leaders. Um, You could like process and continuously looking at how do we need to improve process is um, a big part of your job. You could pull open, like pop open chat GPT right now and start to have a back and forth conversation with it as to maybe start with, you know, what data might be valuable at at different stages to provide to people on the creative team. So if they're at the concepting stage, what data might be valuable for them to have at that stage? If it's moved more to the later stages of the creative work, what data might be valuable to them? Is it performance data? Is it demographics data? Is it, um, you know, here's the technical requirements data that you need to make sure you're staying in line of, um, staying in line with, uh, I should say. So there's all sorts of things that you can start asking ChatGPT and it can be a thinking partner with you and you go back and forth with it. It's almost like you're you could ask it to even be like Socratic with you. So if you're familiar with the Socratic method, you could say like, my goal is to determine what kind of data to make available at different stages of the creative production process. You can then tell it, here's our current process. And then you could say, I want you to act in a Socratic way and ask me questions so I'm coming up with the answers and learning through this. Or you could just simply say, tell me what you think, and then you can then in turn tell it, well, here's the parts I agree with. I don't agree with these parts. Here's why. And it's a back and forth conversation. In a way, it's sort of like um, an available like 
a bit of a consultant to you. I don't think it replaces human consultants, but it's a way of getting you much further down the path. So imagine that you were going to work with a consulting partner. You could do this in advance and you're showing up to that meeting with that consulting partner that you just hired much more ready to be an active participant and a partner and a co-creator in whatever you've hired that consultant to do. Um, you could ask it how to work with like other stakeholders. So I think about the creative operations leader who maybe doesn't have a strong creative background and they want to understand like the, the job, the work of creative. You want to understand like, you know, what does a graphic designer do? What are the steps they go through? What are the tools they use? How do they think? Like, like ChatGPT is just a fountain of knowledge. It's like, you know, the world's knowledge on demand. Start to ask it questions about like, what does a graphic designer do? Like start off really broad and high level. And then it's going to give you a response. And then based on the response, keep going down the rabbit hole. And as you go down the rabbit hole, what I found is like, I end up going off on these tangents and I end up like discovering these like different ways of like, you know, doing the things I'm doing today, like things I could be doing that I'd never even thought of doing. Um, it often shows up in like the questions I'm asking on podcasts. It's because I've had a conversation in advance um, with chat gpt because i use it as my thinking partner um as a creative ops leader uh if you've been following me for a while or listening to me at conferences or on this podcast you know i've long been a proponent of like getting closer to marketing and aligning with marketing um feed it marketing's plans uh make sure you're compliant with your company's rules around using chat gpt but feed it marketing's plans and goals for the year and then you know, maybe even ask it, you know, what metrics and KPIs should I consider tracking um, as the creative operations leader that do align with marketing's goals and KPIs? Because maybe that then leads to a conversation with whoever is doing data tracking around, hey, I would like to have the following bits of data tracked for us so that we can effectively report back not just on efficiency, and out, volume of output and cost efficiency, but also on effectiveness, impact on the business, specifically on marketing's goals. So bottom line here is like use ChatGPT as a thinking partner. Like lots of you are creative operations leaders. You operate on your own very much in a vacuum sometimes. Well, you've now got a a partner up here to constantly ask questions. It's never going to get bored of your questions. It's never going to judge you for the questions you ask. It really is going to be that best thinking partner because it has all this knowledge. It's always available and it's never going to judge you. There are literally no dumb questions when it comes to chat GPT. Um, so you don't have to worry about your ego. I know I don't. Um, Next category, probably the last one I'll do, maybe one more after that, um, data analyst. You've heard me talk about this before. Um, I think tools like ChatGPT, and there are others, I just referenced that one because it's the one that everyone's most familiar with. 
like in the thunking category, you could just start to feed it like whatever data you can pull from your project management system, resource management system, your Excel spreadsheets, whatever else. And then you can ask it to analyze that data. So maybe you've got to do a report at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter. And often I know many of you like, you know, you're trying to like, you know, pull all this data together, analyze it, you know, put it together in pretty like charts and things like that. ChatGPT can do a lot of that heavy lifting for you. You could even write the narrative around it if you have to submit it as a formal like memo or something like that in advance. Um, you you can ask it to analyze it. You could ask it to find insights. Now, some of you may go, well, I hear ChatGPT often hallucinates. Sure, sometimes it does. But your job as a creative operations leader is to have, you know, your finger on the pulse of the business. So if it returns an analysis or an insight, that just seems wrong. Like your brain and your gut are going, no, that doesn't seem right. Like it says, you know, 458%, but like that just seems off. Then you can ask it to do it again, say, I, I think that's incorrect. Can you please review the results and do it again? But you can ask it to do all sorts of things, you know, assuming you've got this data, you know, like historical analysis, um, you know, what happened versus what was expected and things like that. Um, and again, ask it to write the report. Um, and maybe you don't even do a report right now, but you can ask it to do it. Um, you should, again, review it, edit it. And then you could forward that on. Now you're providing something that's valuable to, let's say, marketing leadership, creative leadership, whoever else. Not anything they ask you for, but something you're able to do that's additional value without having to do a lot of extra work. I think that's going to help from a perception point of view, especially if, you know, right now creative operations in your org is tactical and you're trying to like pull it into the strategic realm. Um, I think, again, using it as a thinking partner, like giving it that data and then just having a back and forth conversation of, hey, one of the things I'm interested in doing is pulling creative operations from the tactical realm to the strategic. So here's our data of like everything we've done this year. So maybe it's coming up to year end reviews, everything we've done this year. One of the things I'm interested in doing is actually showing how we've actually been effective in helping marketing and helping the business. What data, what additional data do you need to be able to help me understand our effectiveness? So maybe you're not comfortable with data and metrics and things like that. You could ask ChatGPT, what additional data do you need? Maybe it'll give you a list. You then go off and get that data and give it to ChatGPT. Again, please make sure you're compliant with your company's rules around all this. And then ChatGPT and you could go back and forth. Like it's going to say, okay, here's what I'm seeing. And then you could ask it follow-up questions and keep going down the rabbit hole and then say, okay, let's produce a report showing X, Y, and Z. And can you write up sort of the narrative around it, the story around it that would highlight the effectiveness and impact of creative operations on marketing and the organization. And if you're really sort of like, you know, sprinting down that wanting to be strategic path, maybe even put in the companies like, you know, 
strategic plan or something like that, and you ask ChatGPT, what additional data would you need? Um, and recently, we did an episode with Mark Brady on self-service automation. And one of the questions I asked him is like, how do you determine what to automate? And they look at various data. Well, you could do the same thing. You could look at your historical data of like how many requests, types of requests, how long requests took to uh, fulfill, how many requests you had to say no to and things like that. And then you could feed that data into ChatGPT and go, I want to make a business case either for additional resources, people on the creative team, maybe additional project managers, or a business case for an investment into self-service automation. So here's our historical data around the things we could do, how long it took, the things we had to say no to. Uh, and maybe you've got other data, like, you know, who it ended up impacting, like specific um, marketing um, line of business or other things like that. And you and ChatGPT can go back and forth and it can help you build a business case either for more headcount or for investing into self-service automation. Um, again, just it's a limitless world of possibilities. It's sort of like the Cheesecake Factory menu um, where there's 500 things and that could be a little bit daunting because I'm convinced that everybody goes to the Cheesecake Factory. Um, if you're not American um, and you've never been, they've got 500 like something like 500 menu items at any given time, which is sort of a fun experience to flip through it. But I actually think most people end up ordering what they always order, which is a cheeseburger, fries, and a Coke. Um, and ChatGPT and other AI tools are sort of like that in that it's an infinite world of possibilities. But I think if you take some of these ideas and you just do them just simply for the fun and experimentation of it, you're going to start to unlock like that Play-Doh-like play experience and other ideas are going to start to come to you of how can I use this to like, you know, be a thinking partner to outsource like that thunking work to. Uh, and think of this, you as an individual now can outsource some of your work. Like outsourcing used to be something that only the company did. Outsourcing used to be something only rich people did who could afford a uh, executive assistant or a virtual assistant in the Philippines. This is the democratization of outsourcing. You can now outsource that thunking part of your job, that boring rote work part of your job. You could work with AI to amplify and augment the thinking part of your job and become the 10x version to do new things, to do what you currently do better, to do create new possibilities that you didn't even think of if you're effectively leveraging AI and effectively leveraging AI just starts with playing with it. This is Play-Doh. Just start playing with it. Um, and the last one I'll leave you with is total fun. Um, some of you may have heard of this tool called 11 labs, 11 labs.io. I love playing with this because it, it takes um, it'll take a video or a audio file and convert it to different languages. So Asian New Year just passed a few days ago. Um, so I ended up recording like Happy New Year messages in English, and then it got dubbed into Chinese. Um, and I sent it to some friends, and I also sent it to some of their parents. 
And the parents probably had the most, like my friends were all basically like, yeah, whatever AI nerd. But the parents were just absolutely tickled, like to the point like where one of my friend's moms, she talked to another friend's mom going like, that was almost perfect Chinese, like almost perfect Chinese. And it was just fun. Like, um, so if you work on a team with people like from different parts of the world, whether you're all located in the same place or literally in different parts of the world, I think it's a great way of like sending out messages um, and creating connection and playing with an AI tool. Something I used to do years ago is I would learn to say, good morning, how are you in all the languages of the people in the company? So I think at one point it was like, you know, you know, Persian, Arabic, um, Hebrew, um, you know, French, of course, because I'm from Canada. Um, uh, someone is from Botswana, um, all sorts of different languages. And it was sort of a fun thing to do. And people's eyes would light up. And yeah, it was a little bit kitschy, but it was a fun thing to do. But now I could just record these full on messages in English and send it to people. Um, and um, my aunt, um, who uh, is, um, is from India, which is where my family is originally from, she got totally freaked out because all of a sudden I was speaking perfect Hindi. Um, and she was like, how did this happen? Um, she's, well, she's older, so she's not sure, like, you know, what's going on. But it it was awesome. It was amazing. And again, it's fun. Like, think of this as Play-Doh. It is highly malleable. There is no right or wrong. And um, keep in mind, like, thunking with AI is outsourcing that rote work and being able to move faster. But that is really just the low-hanging fruit. You're going to get a lot of value out of that. You're going to get exponentially more value and be able to transit, accelerate your transition as a creative operations leader by leveraging AI as a thinking partner and becoming that 10x creative operations leader. And for a lot of you that you know want to break out of creative operations and your role being perceived as tactical into strategic, I think you've just been given, you know, a um basically a genie in a bottle. Um you just have to know you have to practice getting it good at what to ask for and letting your imagination, like just letting your imagination go uh, and just try things. So again, I appreciate you listening. Um, if you got feedback on this in terms of valuable, not valuable, let me know. If you want to hear more things like this, let me know. If you want to riff one-on-one, let me know. Nish at creativeops.fm. Thanks so much.